Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hi, everybody. Hi. We are here today with Rebecca Hamilton, and she is in Jacksonville, Florida with EXP Realty. And we are so excited to have you as our guest today. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I was super excited when I got asked to be on here. I was like, yes. So tell us about your real estate journey, how you got started in the business, where you're now, all that jazz. So I got started doing real estate when my son was around five. I, there was a voluntary package that I could take from my job. I actually worked at a, a subsidiary of Johnson and Johnson and everybody was like, you're crazy. What do you mean you're going to take that? And I had this crazy idea since before I ever had my son that I wanted to homeschool him and, um, or like find him a Sudbury school, but that's besides like, that's, you know, anyway, there, there are those schools too, but we won't have them here. So I was like, I want to homeschool him, you know, for like freedom reasons. And, um, I had this big idea of how I wanted to raise him, which I accomplished for me. But so it, I went, got into real estate right before everything went crazy in the early two thousands. And, um, it did really well, pulled him out of school about six months in. I had written my first million. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is cake. I'm going to do this and, um, pulled him out, started homeschooling him. And, um, and then I kind of stayed. So once the market went down, I started selling REOs that kind of came about, you guys know me, you know, I'm into law of attraction and it came about so succinctly, like it just happened for me, it kind of fell in my lap and it was perfect timing because most people were getting out of the business. Um, and to look at like our situation where I was the only income, it was like, what, how are you going to sustain that? So not to say we didn't have some lean years, we did. And, um, and then I got out of REOs because they're just, they're not for me. They're just not for me. I'm just not, not an REO person for a few years. And uh, I just, I just didn't really love it. So I got back into regular residential and was still homeschooling my son, still, you know, raising all the money for the football teams and doing all the all in mom stuff. I like to say I was having six figure years then, even though I technically wasn't, um, I was like having six figures, like soul years then, because I was doing exactly what I wanted. I was providing the life that I wanted to provide. We weren't lacking anything. And, um, and then he, he got his dream. He picked up a football in eighth grade and said he wanted to go play D1 football. He accomplished that, got a full ride, sent him off. And when that happened, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go all in on real estate. And, you know, within like six or seven months, I had, you know, kind of created my six figure business and just have gone up since then. And then launched into like coaching and doing the other stuff that I've always loved that I was like, when can I do that again? And then now is the time. I didn't know you did coaching. What's that about? Well, the coaching side is, so I have a, um, a membership group and I actually launched a program called Align for Realtors, but I also have a membership group that's called the Aligned Agent and the whole, and I did this like a couple years ago. So I've been doing it for a couple years. Um, 
And the whole premise is that, you know, when we do the energetic work, it, it pre-paves a path that's much easier where you can like actually be happy because money, you know, like we, we kid ourselves that in real estate, we're kind of not in the rat race because, you know, we, we you know, have our own schedules. We run our own business. But the truth is we still are. We like stay in this rat race because we're always looking for what's the next thing that's going to make us happy. So the whole, uh, my whole premise for that was just like, you don't need a bunch of gurus. You don't need a bunch of anything. You can, you can go from nothing to something. I did it. And uh, that's what I love to teach people. I'm obsessed with what you just said. You were having six figure soul years. Mm -hmm. Like that is, oh my God, I want to have a six figure soul year. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it can uh -huh. happen. It's just really, it's really like breaking open all the shit and then piecing it back together in a way that feeds your soul. You know what I mean? Love that. She's speaking your love language, Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> all, that's, I've never heard anyone say that before, Jess. That's really funny. But like all that mindset, weird hippie shit mm -hmm. is totally my love language. That is your love language. If there was a sixth love language, that would be yours. I don't, mean, I don't, know, I don't know what we would call it, but yeah, it is. So, did I see on social media that your son got his real estate license and he's working with you now? So he got his real estate license. So he went, he did go play, play football in college. And after the second year, um, he was like, he got a really bad concussion. And he was like, you know what? I'm not trying to go pro. That's not where I'm headed. Like I want to be able to play with my kids at 40. Because when you, especially like when you're playing at all, but if you're starting, your body is just taking an incredible beating. And so he was like, I think I'm just going to come home and become a realtor. So he did. And then he got his real estate license and something that he's loved since he was little. See, when he was little and we were homeschooling, I used to take him, he was like winning hip hop contests and he was doing like acting. He's very creatively inclined. And so he was like, I really want to make a go at music and I make a go at making beats. That's like his passion. So I was like, all right, so do that. Make some money. He just sold his first beat maybe a month and a half ago. Um, so he just went all in on that to see if that's the route. I mean, there's no better time than when you're 20, 21, 22 to kind of feel around and see. So does he help you with real estate? Yes. Uh, is that what he's probably going to end up doing for the rest of his life? No. <laughs> that's awesome I love that because not many kids like even know what their passion is I have a 20 year old almost 20 year old yeah. and he started on this path of you know I want to be a mechanic and now here we are two three years into it and he's like my body hurts I'm tired I don't know what I want to do and I don't know other than cars like what his passion is so I love that he has something that he loves. I think that we don't like, I think we're so concerned a lot of times too with our kids, um, um, keeping their word and finishing what they started and all of that, that we forget to tell them they can change their mind. Like, you know, I've changed my mind in some of the best ways over the years. And like, to me, that's just something that we forget. Like, it's like, yeah, you, you could change your mind, dude, if you like to be a mechanic, but now you're like, this is what I really like. I mean, going with the flow where your energy flows, like, yeah, there's good things about like just digging in and going. And sometimes you need to do that, but there's like also space for the other stuff. Totally. I think we've all, I mean, I changed careers like at 32. So why not? Oh girl, I've done everything. Like I have done everything. 
<laughs> and you're getting ready to do it again. So let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done everything. I'm, I'm like a busybody. So yeah, tell us about that though. So you're going to go pursue a law degree, right? Yeah. So I'm going to, on top of coaching and <laughs> real estate, I'm going to, um, and I'm writing a book. I cannot wait for the book to come out. Um, but I am also going to, um, I decided based, I don't know if it was like all the stuff that was happening that kind of put it, kind of put it in my mind to do this, but I've always wanted to be a lawyer forever. Like I'm a Scorpio too. I don't know if you guys believe in astrology. I feel like I don't want to believe in astrology, like for real, for real. But I think like, you know, maybe it gives you some, there's some something to it for sure. Yeah. I I there's something right. I had an astrologer um, explain it to me once, like, like astrology can tell you if you're going to live by the water, but your actions or in my mind, law of attraction will tell you whether you're going to be like a bum on the beach or a cruise ship director. So anyway, <laughs> Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I am going back to school to become an attorney. I think that there is so much change in the world right now. And, um, everybody's pretty aware that my husband is in prison and we are, you know, when, when like, I think about our journey and how different it would have been had, had we had knowledge and especially had we had money, um, you know, when I sent the, an attorney to go visit him in prison, they came back and wanted me to pay exactly $1,000 more than I made in an entire year to oh. retain him. And I just feel like that's the, the community that doesn't, and, and what's funny is that as soon as I had money, it's like action, we got action, we can get in, we can do this, we can do that. Before that, it was like, you know, people will take your money, lawyers will take your money. So, um, you know, just looking at all of sort of the race stuff that's going on, that's super important. And the way that that's affected black communities throughout time is like so important. And there's things that need to be righted there. And I don't think that I'm not like, you know, silly enough to think that I can do all of that. But if I could have any like part in it and trying to help sort of the people that have been disadvantaged, that would be amazing. Like that to me just like speaks to my soul. So I know that your husband is incarcerated, but I know nothing about the story because I've always been afraid to ask because it's so personal. So will you dig into that as much as you're willing to do for us? So I can do a little bit. Here's what I've been told. And um, cause I started getting pretty vocal about it. And then my investigator and the attorney said, watch yourself, <laughs> stop getting too crazy about it because we are in still in, um, a space where, I mean, he's not free yet. So, you know, anything could happen. So just to give like an overview sort of, of what happened is when, um, we had gone on Memorial day weekend, actually up to his hometown to visit family and do whatever. And, uh, when we came back here, which is Jacksonville, the um, police showed up at our, it was like a knock at the door on like a Sunday afternoon. And it was detectives saying that they were looking for my husband. And I was like, what, <laughs> what? And it was, it was crazy. Cause we like walked, like they came up, they said, Hey, this is what we're looking for. And I had Isaiah in my arms and they were like, is that your son? You know, because um, 
you know, you're going to end up, he's going to end up without a mom and a dad if you don't, you know, tell, you know, the tactics. And, um, and we walked out to the cul-de-sac and I was kind of in a daze. I was, I wasn't even talking. I was just listening. And, and then here comes, here he comes in the car and just the cops come out from everywhere. I, I didn't even see them. It was so crazy. And, um, so anyway, so he ended up getting arrested for murder, um, as one, like one of the charges they give you, you know, they always like, and this and this and this. So, you know, he's, he gets arrested for that. And like I said, once they came, they extradited him back up North and I grab, you know, I tried to get an attorney, couldn't get an attorney. We ended up with a public defender and, um, all I can say is that they didn't have any physical evidence. It was just like, you know, back in the day and, and where he is, they had this place where they would take people and they would, they would literally take anybody who they thought was associated and take them to this one floor of this building that was deplorable. There was like, you know, feces and just nastiness everywhere. And they would be like, they, they would stay there for days sometimes. Um, until they would write a statement on whatever it was. Um, and they would be charged with the crime that they were investigating. So it's like, if we're investigating murder, we're gonna charge you with murder. And you know what I'm saying? So it was just like, it was a lot of shady stuff going on. And um, so anyway, so it's just been this, you know, we paid an attorney. He actually got an oral argument on our case, which is very, very hard to do. And he literally walked out of there and called me and said, you know, I just wasn't prepared. That's what he told me. And I was just heartbroken because it was like, there was so many, like just one thing for instance, and this is a very small thing, but it's kind of big, you know, when you're in trial and the trial judge says that you're claiming self-defense and you're not it's a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a problem. Cause when you claim self-defense, you're saying you did it. If you're claiming not guilty, that's a different thing. Um, so there was just a lot of, of things, but anyway, so, um, that was 20 years ago. We just, it was just 20 years ago, this past Memorial day. And we decided to stay together. I mean, I don't know how to throw away a person like, you know, I met him when I was 17, you know, we've had our ups and downs, our ins and outs, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, like, I know he's innocent. Like, so it's like, what do you do? You just go, oh, well, um, I mean, it's unfortunate. And I, I feel terrible for the, you know, for, I mean, somebody died. That's a big deal. Like, and your I, husband's life and your life has been destroyed because right. of it too. Like, and I think like, that's the part that is so lost in this is that yeah someone died no one's disputing that right your life your son's life your husband's life has yeah. been destroyed because of that night too right yeah and so you know the states the state tries to fight you even for like compensation like if he got out and they compensated us you know they they give you fifty thousand dollars a year per year which isn't like enough in my mind that's how much you live not how much you lost I mean, how, like how much you would make if you were you know, not even how much you would make that's not very much but um but yeah so so it wasn't until we almost got a divorce it, we were like this close it, you know my uh, you know Zay was our son was going off to school and I was 
I was just like losing hope, to be honest. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have, you know, a bunch of money to go and pay a lawyer. I just didn't know how it was going to work out. And um, we had gotten in a really big argument and, and we, I filed for divorce. I sat down there and cried the entire time and filed for divorce. Of course, in prison, they don't give you an option. You are going to sign. Um, and he would have not like made me stay anyway. And, um, and then like, it was Christmas and we always go up at Christmas and I was like, I, I just want to go. So we go up and, um, it was like the minute I saw him, I was like, I'm oh, just kidding. I don't want a divorce. And, uh, within three days, we stopped it three days of it being final. How far is he from you? He's in Michigan. Oh, wow. So how often do you get to see him? Well, usually three-ish times a year, three or four. I mean, it's very, very not fun going there. It's not fun for him. It's great to see each other, but like the fact of the things that they have to do when they come back in, and I get it, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, people that do all sorts of stuff in there, but I mean, even for us, the frisks and stuff get a little invasive. It's, and they make you sit out there for hours. It's just all the things that it's like, it's great to be able to see him, but at the same time, it's just like three, three or four times a year is good. Anything more than that. And I'll be wanting to go off on a guard. How often do you get to talk to him? Oh, every day. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to him a couple times a day. Are you guys doing, you guys do a podcast together now, don't you? So we started to, but then I was told to shut it down until we resolve some things. So, cause we're just, we're in the phase where it is, um, we're the closest we've ever been. We have more evidence than we ever have. I don't know if you ladies are, are, uh, are, um, aware of what a Brady violation is, but we have a couple of those and they're a big deal because they are like when the, you know, prosecution doesn't turn over something, it's a big deal. Um, and so we have, you know, we just have so much stuff at this point, but, um, but everybody's like, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get, you know, make sure that you don't say too much or do too much. So I'm trying to be cautious about that. What was the sentence? Is it, was it life? Life without parole. How has your son dealt with this? Well, I think, you know, and again, I go back to law of attraction because it's not like the airy fairy BS stuff that people think it is. It really is um, like very quite comprehensive for just like your life in general. And it really, um, it helped us in so many ways. Like I got my first set of law of attraction because that date when I was 19 and it changed my life. I, I was like living I felt like life was living me for, for all those years that I was a victim of. And, you know, and then it was like, no matter how many people wanted to help me, I still felt bad. Like I still couldn't find myself in it. And that's what that was able to do. So to bring that around to Zay, what has been beneficial for him is number one, I don't see any of us as victims. So all of us, you know, are taking responsibility and we realize like, you know, there's bigger pictures to things. And Zay talks to him all the time. Like they talk all the time. Um, so, I mean, I think he takes it quite well. He's, he's been raised to um, use his, use his energy, use his, you know, use his mental whatever to get, to get his mind around stuff. And I just, I see so many people, especially just single parents that, 
get into victim mode and that just does not serve you. So what do you, what do you do to offset that? Like, what do you, how do you get that out of you? How do you, what do you do? Do you do yoga? Do you work out? Do you, do you talk to a therapist? What do you do to, if you need to, you should. Yeah, you need to talk to a therapist. I mean, I have like years ago, that's when I first learned the word um, projecting, which was like a lifesaver and gaslighting. I was like, oh, that's what it is. Okay, great. I'm not crazy. Um, So those were good. But for me, it is really becoming self-aware. I, you know, by the time, I think by the time we're 30, they say we are basically just living out of our already created perception and where that's triggering in our brains. So if that's true, then we're not really creating anything new. We're just creating out of those same, you know, path. But if you can become present, then you can actually change what it is, which is how you go from nothing to something, which is how you become different. And all, and that is like so important and something I've been talking about, not just with me, but like with the whole race issues that are going on with, you know, single parents, with women, with all of that, we hold on to these stories that actually don't serve us and sometimes aren't even actually true. Some of them are true and I'm not saying like, but we have the ability to retell stories that are going to serve us. And most of us aren't willing to for lots of different reasons. And I think the main one is that we just don't even know that they're going on. So to answer your question, um, I have a thing called the energetic hustle, which is like what I do every morning um, in terms of um, finding the energetic space that I want to be in. Because when you realize like law of attraction, and I know this is not exactly what you guys have me on here to talk about, but law of attraction is not about manifesting things. It is about creating opportunities and being able to see them when they're there. And that is what, like whatever vibrational wavelength you're on, that's like real estate. People go, oh, there's so many people, you know, the the market is saturated. Well, yeah, but there's always people who are eating. So like, what, where do you want to be? Where, where is your energy? Because if you're telling yourself that story, that's where you're going to stay. So I think it really is like a lot of self-reflection that is necessary, getting present, um, being in what I like to call observer mode. Eckhart Tolle calls it observer mode. Um, where you're seeing, you know, it's like I'm the me that's talking, but then there's this other me that's watching me. And that me can actually call me on my bullshit. And that me needs to call me on my bullshit and what's actually holding me back. So in real estate, we deal with a lot of like, we've had this, Lindsay and I specifically have had this conversation a lot lately where it just feels like it's the same thing every day, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. You think your house is amazing. Yes. It's three bedrooms, two baths with a sewer system, electrical. It's no different, right? Yeah. And so sometimes sitting here listening to it all day long, like I'm in a place lately where I'm like, I don't give a shit. I do this all day long. How do you, because I would feel like it would be hard for me to listen to that even more so all day long. Or is it just kind of like a normalization for you? Like, this is real life. This is where I'm at. This is the world that we live in. And I have to separate these two spaces out because I still have to live my life and I can't be always caught up in this. And that comes out of the victim mode, right? Like you're, when you're moving away from victim mode, but how do you deal with that? Cause I have a hard time dealing with it and I don't have any of this going on. Are you talking about like being like a workaholic? 
No, more like, just how do you, like, when people call and like, you know, they're freaking out about their house. Like, I'm always like, this is first world problem shit. Yeah. How do you deal with like a seller calling and being like, oh my God, we're $2,000 under when you know that your husband is serving life in prison with no parole. That's what I, yeah. Like, how do you- Well, I don't think it's beneficial to compare the two, number one. I think like, I can't bring that into it because I I do want to honor where people are and what's important to them. At the same time, um, one of the things that I do, and it could be right or wrong, I don't know, but we're just going to spill the beans. I mean, one of the things that I do when it comes to people doing stuff like that is um, you get get more writing, like get more texts and emails versus on the phone because um, people like to escalate and they like to think that their problems are the only problems and whatever, and that's fine. They can feel that way. I don't want to escalate with them, nor do I want to like discount what they're going through. Like I get it. If you aren't getting what you think, whatever, and you're having whatever issue is going on, um, you know, I've had a lot of agents who actually do that. They want to get on the phone and escalate and argue and prepave a bad transaction when it's not even actually legit, a bad transaction. And so stepping away from it and knowing what to argue about and what not to, like removing your triggers is going to what keeps your sanity. I think what you're talking about more, Jessica, is like, or what it seemed like is like also when you're just kind of like, okay, whatever, this is what's going on, but I deal with this all the time. And I think finding your passion, like I do think it's important to find that passion because that's what's going to open up those other areas. So even if that is just a lot of times we're ta- we, we kind of take for granted what, what is going on in our lives, what we do actually have. And what we tend to do is we like to go and look and like compare it to somebody else. Like you were saying, and I get that because I do it and I have to stop myself. Like we go and compare, well, there are people who aren't having any deals. You should be happy. No, that's not why I should be happy. I should be happy because, you know, I can find that and I, I can focus in a way that makes, like, you have the power to do that. We just don't always remember to do it. Yeah. I, and I think like, that's, I think that's what I was trying to say is like, I just sometimes like right now, specifically, I think like the environment we're in the world that we're living in right now, the pandemic, the protest, I just feel like everything feels very heavy right now. Yeah. And so when you deal with these people, when they call and they're like, I had a seller who turned down a full price offer last week. Right. And the whole time I'm like, what the fuck? Like you should be happy in this environment. Right. And I'm sitting here like they're freaking out. They're yelling, they're screaming. And I'm like, no one cares. There's so much bigger shit in the world right now. Like you should be thankful and you should be happy and you should be radiating out of every pore in your body that we did this instead you're mad about it and it puts me in a place where I'm like this is what's wrong with the world like everybody is constantly looking for the negative and nobody looks for the positive and it's starting to wear on me and it's starting to pull into my real estate business well what if you start looking for the people who are looking for the positive like because that our focus like 16 seconds the universe starts to help you um, you begin to see things that are like it. 68 seconds, you're creating things. So now it's super easy. It's like the white truck game, right? You say, I'm going to look for a white truck. And then all of a sudden you see them every freaking where it's the same thing with what you're talking about. It's like our focus. Like if you look back at what you're talking about, 
day in and day out, you will have a really good idea of what your life is about. Because normally what we're talking about is what keeps showing up, even if we don't want it. Like, as we do that, we love to do that. I like to do it sometimes. I talk about what I don't want. And that's, that's like, I keep getting all these messages about like some of the things I've been posting about like white privilege and Black Lives Matter and things that I'm not willing to be quiet about. And I keep getting these messages like, Rebecca, you know, you're being so negative. You're no, like the truth is not negative. The truth ain't negative. I mean, you know, we're allowed to have like a feeling about shit. Truth is the light, actually. Right. Um, So how old were you and your husband and your son when he went in? So Zay was one and he had just had his birthday because birthday's in May. And I was 26 and my husband's 24. So have you always had this positive mindset stuff going on or did that happen after he went in I'm just curious to know when that like awakening happened in you no well I think that um like I said when I heard that first set of cassette tapes so by then I had already like I was a bad child okay I had already like I always had the idea that I could do what I needed to do like I always felt resourceful in life you know, when I was 16, my mom sent me to my dad's in Ohio, because that's where we're from. Um, and she came, you know, we came down here when they divorced, but she sent me up there. She thought, you know, I'm, I'm sick of her, <laughs> send her up there. And, you know, I ended up taking $40 and going to the bus station. A friend told me they were going to buy me a ticket and they didn't. And so I went and told the lady I was a runaway and, and then the freaking cops showed up. Anyway, they're very nice cops. They bought my story, bought me McDonald's and got me a free ticket home. And that like at 16 made me go like, okay, well, I could, I could kind of do whatever. Like I know I could do anything. When I came back home, I was still getting in trouble. Like my mom sent me to rehab and I wasn't even on any drugs. That's why I ended up dropping out of school. And then, so by the time I got these cassette tapes at 19, we were just like, oh my God. They're Abraham Hicks, Law of Attraction. They were their very first cassette tapes. I have just listened to like thousands and thousands of hours. I've been in their hot seat, you know, all the things. And it just resonated with me. It made sense. It's like fair, you know, it's like the, the law thing. Law of Attraction, you know, the reason I'm attracted to law is because it's like fairness being doled out. And right now, I don't know that it's fair, but that's the concept. And so with law of attraction and I hate that it has a bad name because when the secret came out it kind of gave it a little bit of a bad name but um that to me was like it was eye-opening then when my husband went to prison I was like we started just like crazy reading I would stand at the Xerox at my job and copy books because I didn't have the money to send them send them actual books I would just copy the books and send them the copy you know pages and um we were just like voraciously reading everything we could. And it was a process because you don't go from like, if you look on an energetic scale, for instance, if you're most of the time in like a negative state, you're not going to come like up here in this positive state overnight. That's not going to happen. you got to kind of make, you know, I always say the idea is not to go from here to here, quantum leap. You just want to move your lows up so that your highs are up or move your highs up so your lows are up. Um, so yeah, so I didn't always have it, but I feel like I've always been optimistic somehow. I don't know how. I think, you know, I just, I've, I've always felt like when I was little, you know, like I was born with rashes all over my body. I, they stayed until high school, until just the summer before high school. 
And so I didn't have a lot of friends and I've like got made fun of quite a bit, but I used to always tell myself, like, I feel like I did a lot of good self-talk back then. <laughs> Cause I'd be like, well, if they knew me, they would think I was nice. Like if they knew me, they would think I was funny. If they could get past this, they would think this. So I feel like that kind of set me up. I like somehow set me up to, I don't know. I don't know how you would have survived all this if you didn't have that quite honestly so like yeah yeah I mean what you've been through it's a lot it's a lot a lot and but it seems like it to you but if you're in my shoes it would just feel like oh this happened oh look at this happened you know what I'm saying it doesn't it's sort of like a homeless person on the street like we think it's really bad because we're living in our nice house and whatever but we don't know their journey to getting homeless like we don't know some people want to be homeless right I mean I don't know that's what I've heard I don't know homeless I don't know a lot of homeless people but I've heard that and it seems horrible to me but not to them so it's like yeah it was I mean they were all tough experiences but I think it seems worse now somehow (laughs) would he have survived all this time in there without you on the outside do you think I mean, he would have survived. I think it would have been uh, much more difficult because how is, how could it not be like, you know, his mom passed away three years after he went to prison. Um, He really doesn't have a lot of people for that are there for him. So, you know, I think, do I think he could have survived? Yeah. Um, do I think that we are playing out a soul contract as weird as that sounds? Yes. No, I don't think that that's weird at all. Like I am obsessed with you because we are from very different backgrounds and walks of life, but like you are speaking so much to me about all the weird shit that I have in my heart that I never say to anybody like things like when you make a soul contract with somebody it's forever and I don't give a shit what happens and everybody just thinks I'm nuts but um yeah I mean it has to be incredible like for the other guys that are in there with him to see that you've stood by him all this time like I mean I I can't even imagine like the percentages of how often that happens like next to none right the definition of ride or die yeah yeah only if like I always tell my husband like and we have this running joke since we were kids like I'm telling so this is the thing (laughs) don't do don't do any like I'm very like this you know what I'm saying like I'm gonna do my own thing and I'm not gonna follow the whatever but yeah yeah I mean he says he's like oh yeah you're a legend in here I'm like yeah right probably not but I do think that people see it and respect it I mean people I'm sure they would like that especially to have and people ask me all the time like do you guys like is I just had somebody ask me the other day she's like okay you've stayed with him but you know what about like are you allowed to have sex on the side (laughs) no I guess I could if I didn't want to uphold my marriage vows, but, um, you know, no, we're kind of not doing that on the side. <laughs> Can't even handle No, that. you would be surprised. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what a question. Well, well I people will ask you some weird crap. Like people will, people really will. So I want to ask you this just because I think it's super timely with everything going on. How mm-hmm. is it raising a black man in this 
environment right now? And um, what have you and your husband taught your son um, through all this? Great question. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, one of the things like, and I'm going to be completely honest, you know, and I hear people think that just because you have a, a mixed child, you know, people are mistaken to think that, um, there's nobody that's out there that's racist that had that still has those tendencies running through them that have that are even in those circles i said that to say because like you know when i like it took me a minute to understand white privilege for myself and that's just honest like i didn't get it off top did i know that black people like i have seen so much like i've seen you know when we were young walking out of clubs and my friends for no reason get you know beaten with batons like but i'm in the south so i'm in like a really interesting place for that um so you know i always knew that but then i would legitimately be like like i used to be and i would have used to have been an all lives matter person because i would have said wait a second my journey was hard like i'm a woman i had to give up my white card like in 10th grade when i wanted to have my best friend was black there were white people who wouldn't even talk to me there were you know once you date a black man it's like that's not happening anymore like you you you're ride or die you're either doing that or you're not and so like it took me a minute to figure out that you know what i went through was hard but it 100% would have been harder if I was a black woman, 100%. And I mean, I didn't just come to that realization. I've known this for many years, but it wasn't right away. Like, that's just honest. Cause it's, it's this inbred thing that we don't even, we don't even know it's there. Like some of the nuances are so nuanced. Like we don't even realize they're there. So, you know, like I told my mom, you know, we were talking and I'm like, you know, you didn't have a conversation with my brother about, where to put his wallet if he was pulled over, where to have his hands on the steering wheel. And I did have that conversation with Zay. So for me, I know energy matters. So I feel like I'm never going to come from a victim place. It's a bit like it just, I have just trained myself out of it to where it would be very hard for me to say that I feel like, you know, he's going to be a victim of something. So there's like two sides of it. I, I honestly feel like there is so much reform that has to happen in our legal system and our, it, just in our system period, our system is built on, like in my mind, it's pretty clear, like a white supremacy, like it's built for white people to excel. And so if that's the case, do I think that there are outliers in black communities that excel? Yeah, I know that there are, but that's not the majority. The systems aren't built for that. So in my mind raising him, it was about, let me make sure that he is energetically in the right place. He's been raised on this stuff that I talk about. He's been raised to look for the positive in things, to recognize what you need to recognize and then find what it is that you want and then line up with that. So, you know, there's, there's, it's like a mixed thing because I feel like, yes, you need to be aware you know, put your hands here. He's a big dude. He's six, three. You're a big black dude. Like even just in fights, I tell him like, just don't even start. Don't go anywhere where anything can start. Cause people gonna rather shoot you than fight. you. <laughs> it's just a fact. Yeah. So ha you know, do you worry about that? Yeah, of course. And, 
but at the same time, like I would be lying if I didn't say that I know that one person that is aligned is more powerful than a million that aren't. So I just can't in my like right mind, my right skin say, you know, um, that he needs to be fearful all the time. I just don't think he does because I think if he does, it brings more to him like that. So there's like, how do you, you know what I mean? Like where does he go with that? So that, this is like kind of the hard conversations. I always wondered like what kind of conversation you would have, like what Jess asked. Like, how do you, and the way you answered it is so perfectly and is the way that I've been thinking. Cause I, I put myself in, in those shoes. If I was a black woman, what am I going to teach my child? But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, why do I have to teach them that? Then that's just teaching them in my mind, hate. You're essentially teaching them to hate, not police officers, but people of authority and then it's like but then that's my child's life i've got to i've got to protect them so it's like it's a catch-22 what do you do so the way that you answer that is like exactly the way i've been thinking what yeah. do you do you know get out yeah you just have to get out and stay out of victim mode i mean there you know here's a perfect example i'm gonna give you guys an example of energy and how this works my son has not been raised on um that, you know, some of the common thoughts that are out there. I have raised him to believe that energetically, you know, you can just attract to the people who are for you, whatever skin color they are, it's the skin color they are, honor them for who they are, whatever. But you know what I'm saying? You don't, don't have to be, uh, because one of the big things that I heard was, oh, well, he's biracial, he's going to have to pick. And my position is you don't have to pick. Like you can just, I mean, he does identify as a black man and he should because there is a whole place here that would tell you, you know, the one drop rule, if you have one drop in you, you're black. And so, I mean, that's what we were told in the South. So, you know, but not coming from victim mode. So for instance, we went recently, um, like last year to Nautica and um, he was going in the dressing room and there was an older white lady there. And norm we go to Nautica all the time because their shirts fit in. Anyway, and so he has like a whole bunch of stuff and he goes to walk back there. She's like, no, 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 only six items. And he was like, but we come here all the time. She's like, no, 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 no. And I could hear her, but I wasn't like right there with him. No, 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 no. So he was like, okay. So he's trying to figure out what stuff he put some stuff up and then he goes in and he comes back out and gets some more stuff and put some more. And then, and then he's done and he's walking out. And as he's walking out, another guy is walking up and he is a white dude and he does have a lot of stuff as much stuff at least and nothing, you know, but Zay never noticed it. I did. I noticed it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like your focus is a big deal because there, there was a chance for him to notice it. And I'm not saying that not noticing it makes it go away. It was still wrong for her to do that. Um, and you know, it, it is what it is, but stuff like that, it's like, I do think that there's just this fine line, man, because people get real stressed about race and people, you say the wrong thing and like all of a sudden it's this big deal. But to me, energy matters, like it matters in it. And we all could use an energy overhaul, not just black people, not just white people, not just, you know, Latino people, whatever, you know, it's everybody could do that. If everybody did that and just found 
their own personal connection in their own happy place, our, our world would be so completely different. It's hard because I want so badly to speak out about stuff that's going on on both sides of the line. And I want to say something, but like, I've been in a place where like talking about from a pure energy perspective, like I'm just not willing to put more hate into the world. And I just feel like regardless of whatever line I speak on, it hurts somebody else and it just creates more division. And so I've been, you know, like there were some posts going around in some of the big real estate Facebook groups where people were really attacking and saying like, you know, you have a voice and you have a platform and why aren't you saying anything and you're a giant pussy if you aren't talking about what's going on. And it's like, I haven't really been able to find a way to articulate. I don't, I just want love. Right. Like, I don't really care if you're a cop or if you're black or if you're white or if you're Latino or if you're this or you're that. What I want for the world is love. And so it just feels really like anti me to go out there and talk about anything that would perpetuate more hate. And maybe that does make me a giant pussy, but it's really difficult, I feel like, to talk about it right now because I just feel like anything that anyone says just hurts somebody right now. And it's valid hurt. I just don't want to add to it, you know? But I think there's like this other piece of people have to be responsible for how they feel about things. And that's the piece of like, just being authentic. Like, and I'm not saying you're not authentic by any stretch, but what I am saying is that like you, I think letting go of how, what you are going to say, how that's going to affect somebody. If you aren't coming from an ugly place. Now, if you're coming from an ugly place, then yeah, I would say no, but I know you weren't. If you're just sincerely putting your feelings out there, I think that how people take it is their business. And I'm always open for a conversation, but I'm just not like, my thing is, I just don't want willful, willful ignorance around me. Like to me, that's something that I'm not willing to, like, I'm not going to, um, yeah, deal with that. But, and, and also like personal attacks. I find it so bizarre. People have to like take it personal if you don't agree with them. Like I just posted, somebody had posted something about this is racist. And I tried to enlighten him on his post. Like racism is not just saying a slur. This is actually against white people, but even against, like, it's not just saying a slur. It's having the power to change somebody's life because you don't like their race. You don't, you think that you're superior to them. Racism is more like, to me, it's more of a verb than a noun. And, and he was, you know, all upset. He ended up taking the post down, but then he messaged me. He was like, I'm just sick of people disagreeing and I'm not going to go back and forth with you. I'm like, dude, why'd you message me? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's good, but I don't know. I understand what you're saying. And I think a lot of people kind of feel like that. And I would just dive into it. Like me personally. Well, I think, I think it's exactly what you just said is like, I can't stand up there and say, I'm pro love. I'm pro black people. What happened was wrong. Racism is real. It's pervasive all over the place. Everybody needs to learn and become more aware, but also say, I do believe that there are good police officers who are good men and good women who 
love their families and just want to get home at the end of the day because I feel like people are so committed to it being pick a side unintended black or white right so it's like I just want to I just want to say I'm pro-love like I'm pro-human beings I'm pro everybody having equality but it just feels like you can't say that because people are so committed to being angry right now and I agree I'm so happy that you're bringing that up, Lindsay, because that's exactly how I feel to the last couple of weeks. It's like, like I literally, I have gone and I have typed out a whole thing and then deleted it because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, because if you post something, the one side's going to be up your ass and mean to you as well as the other side as well, too. It's like, you can't be in the middle. It's like, you have to pick. And it's, it's kind of sad. Well, I think when it comes to like morals and stuff, like I feel like you don't have to put it on Facebook, but I think you do have to pick. Like, I think you do have to know what you're about. I think you do have to say like, this is what I'm about. And just because I think, for instance, that, you know, the guy that got shot at Wendy shouldn't have gotten taken his life taken away. That doesn't mean that I'm saying cops are bad. It means that I believe that life should have, but of course people are going to come on there and feel how they feel. But if I'm making a post that's like denouncing racism, then I really don't give a shit who doesn't like it. Like if you don't like it, hurry up and get off my page. I had a one, one lady who just went batshit crazy. Like I've literally lost like three or 400 friends, but I don't even care. Like I am like, listen, if you're just here so that because when I'm quiet, you like me, then you should go because I'm definitely not going to be quiet about things that I care about. And to me, it's like, this is something that's so, so important that it has white support. Like it, we need to speak up because it's not that you're complicit or you're racist or you're wrong if you don't, but I just feel like I want to have my name in that hat when history happens, like, and it's happening now, I want to be able to say that, you know what? Yeah, I stood up for what I believed in. I want, I said what I felt and the people who loved me, they get it. Like they know I have people in my family who might read my posts and go, what the holy hell is she talking about now? But they love me. Like they know that I'm coming from love. So I think as long as you, like you're saying, I just want to say just love. I think if that's your position, when you're speaking your message, that is just going to bring that anyway. It's just a shame that it's so divisive in general, the world that we've been living in. And I felt that for a long time. And it's absolutely not to minimize the the race issue because this is so important right now. But mm-hmm. I felt this way for a long time and everything. It's the same way that like, I feel like if we were talking about abortions, I couldn't stand up and say like, I, I'm pro-life, but I also support that maybe a woman has a situation in which she needs one. Like it, it feels like the whole world has very clearly pitted into two sides and they want you to pick one. And if you aren't willing to pick one and you just want to say, I believe in life and love and I want everybody to have life and love that you're a bad guy. And it, it's just, it's hard. And I think it's funny to hear you say that just because like we're sitting here having a conversation for women, four different schools of thought, four different backgrounds, right? We're sitting here having a conversation about all this and we are not as divided as social media would make you think. And so I think it comes back to like, I, Lindsay and I talked about this candidly. I haven't said anything because I don't know what to say and I don't know how to articulate it out. And for me, it's 
go out in the world and be the change you want to see, right? Like a Facebook post isn't going to change someone's mind. A Facebook post isn't going to do anything because everybody on social media as a keyboard warrior has already made their decision and they're going to fight with you and they're going to unfriend you and they're going to do whatever they're going to do. But I can go out in the world and I can change. be the change I want to see. And when you talk to your neighbors and you sit on your front porch, shit isn't as bad as we think it is. I mean, it's bad, but I mean, you can put your hand across the aisle and you can talk to your neighbors and I don't know, maybe it's a unicorn and sunshine way of looking at it right now, but I have to believe that shit's not as bad as we think it is and that we're not as divided as we, we think we are. Well, I don't think we're divided along race lines, to be honest, as much as we were. I think it's more good. Like, I think I might have even posted this. It's more like good against evil, but not against. It's just like, you know, people who are coming from hate and people who are coming from love. Exactly. Um, That's what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't care what uniform you're wearing. If you're evil, you're evil. I don't care what skin color you are. If you're good, you're good. Like, that's what I'm trying to say is I... I'm against evil and for light, like, but it's very, it's, it's hard Me to say. Too. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to go back to the motherly thing and raising our children. I mean, obviously Rebecca, you have a 20 year old, he's out, he's on his own now. Jessica, Lindsay and I, we have, we have young kids still, you know, so it has brought, it has brought the question to me in my mind. And I've never said this, this has just been in my head and I've been feeling this. I grew up, I'm, I'm half Hispanic. I grew up in a Hispanic family. That's, that's all we did. I hung out with all my Hispanic cousins. I hung out with all of them. That was my lifestyle. That's how I grew up. I didn't know what racism was. I was never taught it. I was never spoken about it. My mom never, not once spoke to me about racism at all. Zero. Now here we are, 2020. Racism is a huge deal. Do we talk to our kids yeah. about that? Mm-hmm. And how? Because I don't know how to tell my kid. I don't know. My kid goes to a very diver- diverse school. They've mm-hmm. got Indian, they've got Mexican, they've got foreign exchange students. It's great for him. And I sit there and I look at him and I'm like, so naive, so young, so loving. And then they're going to grow up into this world and they could potentially hate each other in 10 years. Yeah. What do you do? What do you, what are you saying to your kids? Well, for me... Yeah, I think it was a little bit different because I raised Zay, I homeschooled him because it's funny, people be like, oh, I really thought he was going to be weird. I'm like, well, no, if like if I homeschooled him because he was weird, he'd be weird, but I homeschooled, <laughs> I homeschooled him because I wanted him to be a free thinker and I did not want to, um, like, I realized that the teachers and um, his homework we're having a longer amount of impact on a daily basis in his life than I was. And that was just not okay. I actually unschooled him for many years. Um, And then, you know, when he ended up going to school and then went to college and did all the things. So for me, it's not a conversation that I had with Zay when he was young. I never told him, oh, well, watch out for white people or, oh, well, watch out for Latino people or, oh, well, black people might do this. Like, and I was told, you know, oh, black kids are going to give him a hard time. White kids are going to give him a hard time. He's not going to know how to fit in. And my thing is like, if you know, like if you are spiritually connected, that's like not, so, you know, that's like not a thing. So my thing was as a parent, because I think about this, because people are like, oh, you should write a parenting book. I'm like, I can't write a parenting book. First of all. I'm <laughs> goddamn smart. But, but the other thing is, is like, 
the best parenting you can do is is handling your own business, like doing your own inside work, getting into your own good space, releasing your own negative patterns and stuff, because all of that is what's feeding all of this stuff. That's why there's a bunch of miserable ass people running around because our kids are reflections of us, whether we like it or not, the people that you're running into day in and day out, the way your husband shows up in your world, the way your friends are acting towards you, all of that is just a reflection of you, meaning your perception. So the, when you can change that, you can change everything. So to answer your question, do you talk to him about it? I mean, I talked to my son about being kind and being kind was the, was a really big deal. And I talked to him about giving people the benefit of the doubt, which we don't do enough. Um, and I, I also showed him that by doing it for him and giving him the benefit of the doubt. And I never forget one of his friends. So he went to first, he went to kindergarten at Montessori and half of first grade before I took him out. And so one of his friend's moms was like, yeah, the teacher said da, 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 about this. And I, I believe the teacher, I, you know, I'm always going to take the teacher's side. And I was like, I don't understand that. Like, I'm always going to give my kid the benefit of the doubt. And um, so, yeah, so those are just some of the things like, I, I don't think you have to, t I think when the time comes and they experience it, then you can talk. Then to them you do it. it. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. We're about okay. to go on a 27 hour long tangent where I talk about indoctrination in public elementary school and how I want to homeschool my my child too. I'm going to have to call you offline for that. Yes girl, feel free. I did it and like I legit, you can do it without, it's really not as difficult as it seems and people are like. Well, I wanted to homeschool like you said since before he was born but yeah. I've always, so like where I grew up in California the only people that homeschooled their children were like religious nutbags, right? Oh, yeah. they were, they were going to grow up like super weird, pale-faced, antisocial, like, um, really crazy people. And so it, like, now we have a strong community of people here in Colorado that have done it for a long time, but, yeah, um, I still get in my head a little bit about, like, what I know I believe versus, like, what society is going to think of us. So I think this whole COVID thing, I feel like has given me the perfect opportunity to be like, nope, we're not going back. Yeah, my thing was, I just didn't want him to just learn how to jump through hoops. I wanted him to learn how to be happy. I love that. How did you balance being a single mom, having a real estate business and homeschooling? Like did, what did your day look like? And what does your day look like now that your son's grown? So um, balancing it wasn't difficult um, for me. I mean, we did a lot of um, child-led learning stuff. I mean, he would come back in the day, we did Tuesday morning meetings and he would come with his little, his little action figure guys and, and play. And he, he went everywhere with me. He was like my little mini me. So he, you know, he would get lessons when we were in the grocery store or when we were whatever, like there was, there was never a set schedule. We were traveling all around. He was doing commercials and short films and full length productions down at the beach at the playhouse down there, he was doing all sorts of stuff. So it was like, um, you know, back then I was doing like between say maybe two and 5 million and with a horrible cut. So I wasn't making any money. And uh, because back then it was like, that was normal. Um, now it's like, you know, you can always make more, but, um, but yeah, he just came with me with my business. All my business is really organic. I didn't 
um, do a bunch of marketing and I had my broker say, you know, you could be doing so much more. You tested here and you did this and you did that. And I'm like, I am doing so much more. Like I'm contributing an amazing human being and we're not going to lose sight of that. So, um, so that was like the big thing. And then once he went to like middle school, he did online schooling because the, co the coaches and scouts, he wanted, he wanted them to see his grades. So then it was like, okay, we'll do that. So that was, I, love that. I actually went to school full time for a little while there too. So now I could pick it back up. It just wasn't, there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough time to do everything back then. So it was like, okay, I did a couple semesters and then I was like, okay, I give uncle. <laughs> but now I, it's, you know, it's kind of the same thing. I do half of my day. I mean, half of my week, I'm generally coaching, doing my membership, doing that stuff. The other half, and not like exactly, but you know, I'm doing, I'm always doing real estate stuff, but I have people who open doors and I have people who, you know, I leverage a lot of my real estate business. My mom's also in real estate. So I have a lot of people around me um, between her and my son and just the other friends and stuff that can help me with that. And um, so, yeah, and now I just get referrals basically. Like I'm not out pounding the ground or anything between that and coaching, it all kind of levels itself out. And you don't have a team. You're an individual agent for the most part. Yep. I don't have a team. I have a transaction coordinator. Um, and then I have peeps. So <laughs> that's my, what does your real estate business look like today? Like what's average transactions for you in a year right now? Um, probably about third, maybe about 24 between 25 and 30, somewhere in there. It just depends. It depends on, um, especially with, with COVID, I mean, it kind of depends on, even though my business got to be a lot, I was actually doing a lot of sight unseen properties, um, but it depends. I mean, we have a lot of new construction going on down here, which is really helpful because those are great deals to do. As you guys may know there, do you guys have a lot of new construction going on there? Yes, a lot. Oh, it's unending. And I love those because <laughs> it's even easier. So, um, so yeah, it just depends on how many transactions I have going on. I mean, I've definitely slowed down this year because my coaching has picked up so much. That's awesome. And you like, you really enjoy the coaching piece of it, don't you? I mean, I do. I, yeah, I really do. But um, my goal is, so I'm writing a book. And so my goal is, I've been speaking some places. My goal is to take that, like really and truly, I love my membership because it is something that I just get king it in once a week. We do a good talk, whatever, go through, do exercise, whatever it is. And so that is nice. Um, I like the membership and I like coaching, but once I get to the speaking book level, I'm not doing any of that anymore. What's the book about? The book is really about everything that I talk about and teach. It's just nonfiction. It's going to be called She's Unoffendable. That's like my brand. And it's going to be like a guidebook or whatever for women to, um, to just create lives that, that they're actually happy in. And that's the biggest thing. You know, I have, I have million dollar clients who are just, they're not happy. You know, they just, they have the things, they're just not happy. They want, you know, to find that sweet spot, find that flow. And, um, that's really what the book is about. I love you. I think you are so freaking cool. I think you are so best. Strong. Oh. You're strong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we all are when we need to be like, honestly, I, I think we all are. We all have that um, potential. It just depends on when you got to pull it out. And use it. 
You're so just what, very, um, like I'm even trying to come up with the right word for it. Like, I might have to circle back around to me. You're, you're just you're, like committed is the word. Yeah. I guess I think I want to use like, um, you're in, like, I feel like you're playing full fucking out all in. Like you are, you know, a lot of people, myself included, talk about manifesting and the power of positive this and the power of positive that. And, um, you're like doing it, you know, and like you are doing it over a very long period of time even when very negative and bad stuff has happened in your life and you have had every excuse to curl up in a ball and not live it anymore, like you're living it. Cause like I was living it and then some stuff happened and now I'm trying to live it again. You know, like you're living it, like you're committed. Um, you're in, I love it. I think it becomes like this, it's your framework. And there's like that whole toxic positivity that's out there that is like, you have to be positive all the time. And if you're not, you're spreading negativity and you have to look at the bright side and, you know, at least you have food because there's children that are, that are hungry. And it's like, that's not helping anybody. That's not helping you. There is a process from any subject that you're on from where you are to like feeling better and giving ourselves space to be there. Like I'm full in, but I'm full in at like, I'm going to feel how the fuck I need to feel to get to where I want to go. And I'm going to say what I need to say and I'm going to do what I got to do. And that's going to be what it is. I'm just so committed to not feeling shitty anymore. And I refuse to let anybody try to make me feel that way. Like it, it, it's going to get shut down because that's our only power is, is how we feel. Like all of it is in here. That's really the only thing we have. It's all we take with us. I'm going to go start today and have a six figure soul year. Like I'm obsessed. Yay, do it. Mark that shit right now. Oh yeah. I realized how much I needed to hear this until just now. Cause I feel like I've been in a really like negative shitty place yeah. and it's been it's a choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's easy. It's easy to keep going because the law of attraction helps you. Like it helps you keep going. Like if it wasn't so like, so like, um, um, fair and static, like something I could depend on. I probably wouldn't like it as much. Like that's honestly one of, well, I don't know if I should even talk about religion. Is that off subject? Is that off subject? One of the reasons that I, I like started to veer away from church when I was younger, it was because it was like, I wasn't sure how many times I could sin before I was going to hell. It was like, well, shit, what do I do? You know? <laughs> and like law of attraction, I know, okay, this is it. And law of attraction is God to me. Like it's, it's all it's all together. It's nothing that, but yeah, that cycle you're talking about is like, there's like these like four points that you can figure out where you want to jump off. And sometimes you can do it through action. Sometimes you can do it through focus. Sometimes you can do it through talk. You know, there, there's different places you can jump off, but that circle is real. It's so there. for somebody who hasn't had an experience yet with all this stuff, but is listening to you talk and maybe in a dark place themselves and thinking like, I could use what she has, where would be a place that you would recommend that somebody goes to start opening themselves up to this stuff? Oh, so just like maybe books or something that I've read or so like you can look up Abraham Hicks. You can look them up on YouTube. Um, not everybody loves them. I freaking love them. I think they're amazing. Um, you know, 
that would be like the number that's like legit what I teach all day every day is just the deeper meaning of you know you come in with the oh I want the Lambo but then when you figure out that's not really what it's about um, then you get down to like the real work so um, and I would say go to my website go check it out go you know go not just work with me I mean I give away more content than I charge for I have a YouTube channel I have a podcast I have now a blog um, I am constantly like especially now since my life is you know kind of calmed down a little bit but there's I have my how I created a six-figure um, income on my YouTube channel like it's free go look at it um, there's, you know, plenty of stuff. I just did, um, a podcast and a, all of those on white privilege, black lives matter and energetic alignment. So you can go and find that and see what I think about all of it. Cause I don't know if my opinion, you know, I, I know, like, I think that there are like so much personal responsibility has to happen, but it's not all or one thing. It's like, it's not one or the other. It's like, we need the reform. We need energetic change. Right. Lindsay and I both just hired coaches and I'm sitting here going, maybe I need two coaches and my other one needs to be Rebecca Hamilton. She <laughs> <laughs> can be my attitude coach. <laughs> That's your soul. That's your soul coach. You can be my soul coach. I'm definitely more of an energetic. I mean, I know the business side and, you know, and I do that. And here's the thing is when you line up the energy, everything else makes sense. Like when I decided to kick up my business, I did everything that I'm telling you about energetically. And then I made a video. It was my very first Facebook video. I made the video of inspiration. Inspired action is my favorite. It creates, and I have story after story. This is just the first one. I put it into a group for free. I use no money. I didn't edit the video like it was the third try. I didn't say fuck at the end. I was like, we're going with this one. And I put it into a group and it got 40,000 views. And I generated like $5 million of business that year off of it. I'm still closing and still getting referrals and stuff out of it. So that is inspired action. That's what I teach. I teach the like how to line up and go and get what you want versus like push, 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 push. It's like, line up the energy so that it kind of all you're there for the opportunity we had a friend on um well she wasn't my friend until we had her on but we had a, a, an amazing woman named simone wilder on um and she said she called it her living on her ultra high light beam shit and i was like i'm stealing that and i've been saying it since so you're on that like ultra ultra high light beam shit. i put simone on a call together and rebecca on a call together and I here on mute and we'll just suck in all of your good vibes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Funny. I need to know who she is. If she's awesome, I'll go find her. On yeah. Facebook. She's, she's oh my God. She'll love her. She's amazing. I gotta go back and find that one then. That I actually, I just hired her coach because what she was talking made about made such an impact on me, but now I'm still going to join your group. So anymore. <laughs> What was Lindsay she talking about? Just going to employ everybody at this point. I don't think we've dropped her. We haven't dropped her episode yet. I'll send a link. To oh, you. Okay. I'm I'm working on it today, so I'll send it to you mm -hmm. uh, when it comes out. But I mean, she was she was talking about exactly what you're talking about. Um, that you know you have to align with being before you can align with doing. 
basically. So she's well, if you want it to work. I mean, there right. you can change energy with doing, which is why Tony Robbins will be like, get up and move and do all yeah. that. And you yeah. can shake it up, but it doesn't have the long-term effects that energy does. Energy is a powerful mofo. I will be joining your group today. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. You are literally just incredible. And oh, you guys are awesome. Am I friends with all of you on Facebook? You are, yes. <laughs> and we won't. I'm like, I, like, I think I've seen y'all, but you yeah. know how it is. Facebook, like, you know, 290 of the friends that I lost, I probably didn't even know who the hell they were. So. Right. <laughs> well, now you can see who we are. And now you're yeah, seeing yeah. us I forever. I do extra ever. follow on you so I can see what you're talking about. I'm going to take it as my responsibility this week to figure out how to go out there and speak my truth and the truth that needs to be said without giving a shit about what people well yeah and do like figure out why it's freaking you out because that's like something just to dive into that i would dive into not just for that but just for anything but usually like i read this book there's this book by Rhonda byrne called um fearless fearless living and i read it like again when i was like 20 or something but her whole premise of the idea that every decision we make is either made in fear or turning away from it and a lot of them we, we just fear is running and we don't even realize that that's what it is lack fear whatever it's on that it's on that other side where um that's the stuff we got to face like i think that's where our work is is to face that stuff and i mean like when i came out about my husband like the first person i sent it to was like i don't think you should you should put that out there like what if people think x y and z like what if they do Right. Well, right. But trust me, like I was hiding that for a lot of years. I haven't always been telling that story. And, and I was just like, fuck it. I'm gonna put it out there and whatever's whatever. Do y'all ever get like that? You start writing something and you've written it a couple of times. You know, just, just hit the damn send. Yeah, I did it a week yes. ago. Yes, I, that's I me. That's I made an entire post about like my experience with racism. Yeah. I lived with my two black best friends and we were called the n-word and then I deleted it because I was like I don't want anybody to feel like I'm taking away from their experience as a white woman right no, and I don't think it's fair and I've heard people say that that people that there are people saying you haven't experienced it so you don't need to be in this conversation no no the fuck I do need to be in this conversation well and I think that was more my point like we can sit here and say like it doesn't exist like I experienced it as a white child yeah no you do i think you do have every right to speak and say your stuff and what i found is that when i put that out there it's like my people became more my people than they were before that and i think every time we do that like i feel like everything that we do when we're like segmenting meaning i call it segmenting where it's like telling your whole to these people yeah. this to these people and this to these people and these people get me so i'll tell them this but once we can like bring all that together and be who you are in front of anybody, that's when you're, mo you're most powerful. I agree with that. I feel like these last eight months for me have been very much that way. And I feel a difference in my tribe, the people around me, the real shit that goes on every day in my world. So I agree a hundred percent. I love it. So I love you. Y'all, this was fun. <laughs> See, I was, a, we like, it's funny to me what we're attracting to 
like as a group. And I don't know if that's like the one of us that's like messaging specific people or like, like I had no idea. I mean, I know vaguely that you're into this stuff, but like I had no idea on what level. So it's funny to me that like I went out and messaged you and clearly needed to hear this today. Yeah. Like that's it's so creating, baby. That's good. We're even attracting in our podcast, like the people that we need to be hearing from at the right time. Yeah. At the right time. And I'm like, my God, could you be any more timely right now, my friend? The answer is no. Well, thank you for coming on today. No, thank you so much. I had so much fun even getting to know y'all a little bit more. And I love how transparent you guys are and just asking real questions. And I think all of us need to do that more and need to be okay with doing it more. I love it. Well, thank you for being so transparent and open with us. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, y'all. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.